What's up, everybody? You're listening to Purposely Offside here on CFMU. Been a great week of hockey. It's awesome to have hockey back in all our lives. Uh, the Leafs played three games. Speaking of the Leafs, uh, we had a special go- a special guest uh, with us today. Um, he is a Leafs broadcaster. He's been a Leafs broadcaster for a long time. We've all grown up with him. We've all grown up listening to him. Uh, his name is Paul Hendrick. Paul, how are you today? Great, thanks, guys. It's just funny to hear you say we've grown up with them. You can make me feel so old in an opening like that. But you know what? I'm older. So, Paul, you I don't expect you to remember this because I don't remember this either, but my mom always likes sharing this story with me every time uh, we see you on TV. She tells me that back in the mid-'90s, uh, she took me to Pier 4 in Hamilton at the tugboat, and yeah. she said that uh, I guess you were there as well and started talking to her and came to talk to me about hockey and I was a goalie at the time and uh, we apparently again talked Leafs back when I was about a four or five year old so uh, just a quick story about I guess my first time meeting you way back in the day. Wow that's so what time what, that was so like mid 90s late 90s when I've been there my, my kids uh, were both born in Hamilton um, my wife went to medical school at McMaster University and I worked at CHCH so mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, Caroline was born in 94, Michael was born in 96, so maybe I was with one of my kids at that point in time, maybe not, I'm just trying to remember. But, but Yeah, it would have been, been mid to late 90s, so yeah, that timeline checks out, but yeah, just a quick story I thought I'd share with you. Uh, it's great. <laughs> so Paul, it, uh, I know it's early uh, in, the, in the season here, um, you know, we, we've been watching the, the Leafs games this week, but uh, what, what do you see from the group so far? Uh, what do you think of the team? Well, it's a really good hockey team. Uh, in my 25 years, this is my 25th season with the team. Uh, it's the best Leaf team uh, I've been a part of. And, and just in terms of elite talent uh, on, on the top two lines and on really the top two defensive pairings, uh, but, but especially the top two lines. I, I mean, that's just absolutely outstanding. And, and I know in 99, they Leafs got to the conference final. I know in 2002 they got to the conference final. Um, but that team in 2002, uh, the stars in that group were in the back nine of their careers, for lack of a better term. And uh, this group are just getting started. Uh, you, you know, I mean, Austin Matthews, 22 years of age. Mitch Marner, uh, 20, going to be 23. I mean, they're just young, young guys. And, and, and Willie Nylander, and, and you can go from there. John Tavares isn't even 30 yet. He's 29. And, and so uh, this is a young, young squad. So I just think uh, the depth they have, but the, the elite talent up top is absolutely as top-notch as I've seen it. Now, what can even things out, and even in a hurry, is, is help. Uh, if a rash of injuries besets any team and we saw it with Tampa a few years ago it's a tough league in which to make up ground and get into the postseason so for the better part the injuries are going to happen you've got to make sure that they're not too severe and that hopefully they don't happen to your top elite talent if, if all goes well according to plan then there's a good chance that uh, Toronto's going to contend for a Stanley Cup they're, they're one of eight teams I think in position to contend for a Stanley Cup but again, health is wealth, and they've got to get that moving forward. But all things on paper, moving forward, this is a very good hockey team. So do you feel like they're such a good team like because they've started out so young? Like It, it seems like they've really surprised you over the last few years or so. Well, I'll tell you when I was surprised. I was surprised four seasons ago 
three years ago, uh, the, the year they made the playoffs with, with seven rookies in their starting lineup each and every game. Uh, I, I thought there was a chance that they would knock on the door. I didn't specifically think that they would make the postseason, but they did. So the expectations following that year in that six-round, six-game series loss to Washington um, exponentially grew the following year. Uh, but and, and people by rights thought, okay, if they could do this now, then this is what we want next year. And, and, and we realized that the learning process was still there um, in the series loss to the Boston Bruins and then, of course, to the Boston Bruins yet again. I think it's, it's vast growing pains. And uh, I know what the Leafs want to do. Uh, they would like to win this year, but they'd also like to sustain compatibility over a long period of time to be in the running, to win a Stanley Cup when all falls into place. And, and you know, all you have to do is look over the last couple of years and see St. Louis, who finally won it, and Washington, who won it two years previously. Those two franchises have gone through an awful lot of heartbreak to get to where they got in time. Um, I know covering the Leafs, I know Leafs Nation would like to see less heartbreak uh, and a little more success earlier on. Uh, but I, I, I think the organization wants to be built for the long term, seven to ten years competitively, try to win a cup during that span. But if they could win it sooner, and that might mean this spring, then then uh, all points forward and, and get on with it. Uh, but they've got a chance to win this year. Uh, but they, they hope to be in the next, you know, the mix for the next five to six years at least, and then maybe beyond depending on how well they draft. But they've got everybody signed up. Uh, Frederick Anderson's got to remain uh, healthy. He's got to remain uh, under contract when his deal is up in a couple of years. And then we'll see where, where this whole club is at. But uh, it's a good time to be a Maple Leaf fan, and it's going to be a great year. Couldn't agree more. And, and no one would rather see the Leafs win the Cup than us. We've been you know, hardcore Leaf fans, been watching them forever. Um, it really seems like the Leafs are kind of embracing what the Raptors did, and especially for the city of Toronto. Um, we saw Babcock giving you know Austin Matthews the NBA championship ball uh, after the game against Ottawa. Uh, how important? Or how does? Uh, how has that motivated uh, the squad uh, internally from your perspective? Uh, just seeing what the Raptors have done uh, for the city of Toronto, and how, how does that? How, how do you think that's motivated the uh, the young guys here in Toronto? Well, you know, I'll, I think all you have to do is to see how the city reacted uh, after the Raptors won out in Golden State and what that parade was like and that crazy Monday in Toronto. And call me biased, but I, I just think if the Leafs were able to duplicate that, that you might have to up that ante by <laughs> two and a half times in terms of a parade. I agree. And that Raptor parade was crazy. I, I forget what the, the numbers were downtown, but it was just, I, I just think with the Maple Leafs and this being obviously a, a hockey town by origin, um, they would duplicate that, if not surpass it, and that's no disrespect to the Toronto Raptors whatsoever. So I, I think in that regard, it motivates the guys, and they're, they're all motivated professional athletes as well. They, they want to win a championship, but again, having one of your family cousins within the organization win, uh, it certainly gets everyone excited. And, and you look at the organization the last few years, TFC has won, the Toronto Marlies have won, uh, the Toronto Argonauts have won. Raptors 905 have won. And the mm. Raptors themselves have won. So the next in line and still waiting are the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I think they'd like to follow suit. I just think it's uh, it's been a good span recently for the uh, the entire MLSC organization. It's a, it's a first-class group but with how things are handled uh, in terms of 
medical staff, coaching staff, support personnel throughout the entire organization, and of course the players in tow. They ultimately have to get the job done. And I'll just go back to you know how we started the program. Uh, it's a very good hockey club, and and again to to answer your question, yes, the Raptors have provided motivation, and 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 all the players have to do is to think back to that Monday last June, and and know that they'd like to be amongst that parade, and and I know from an MLSE perspective, finally getting an opportunity to participate in a parade of that stature. Uh, the next time they get to go about and do it. Uh, things might be handled a little differently, and, and, and knowing that the crowds that they have to deal with That's right. uh, that maybe caught everybody by surprise, uh, including the city of Toronto, they'd have a better idea as to how to handle that parade victory celebration, uh, just maybe to smooth things out and, and get everybody to that final destination on time. But uh, a party, regardless, would be outstanding. I completely agree, and I always joke around with these guys that the Raptors parade was just practice for what the Leafs one would uh, would bring to the city of Toronto. Uh, Paul, yeah. you're on the uh, road a lot. Um, walk us through maybe what it's like to be on the road away from your family for so long throughout the year. Um, how do you pre- prepare for that, and uh, what's that like? Yeah. That's a great question. It's a really good question. I, uh, My wife and I have been married 32 years, and, and I added up uh, the amount of time that we've been apart during that time uh, because of travel with the hockey club and and we've been apart almost seven years and that's nights away in hotels and uh you know my daughter her birthday's late january Uh, i've been to maybe three of her birthdays on the given day now we've you know we've celebrated the weekend after or before or whatever depending on the schedule my son's a late may birthday so that really hasn't been a problem but I know from Caroline's perspective, my daughter, you know, I've rarely been around for those birthdays. And this isn't a complaint. This is just part of what uh, the job uh, is all about. Uh, the traveling can be a grind. Um, we used to travel with the hockey club. We don't anymore. Those seats that were once available are taken up by support personnel uh, that the team didn't necessarily utilize on the road when, when I traveled. But, uh, you know, at least for 17 years, I got to travel with the hockey club, which was a real privilege. Um, game is over that night. We are off to the airport in a charter aircraft and flying to the next uh, game or coming home that night. Uh, and many times on a Friday night, be in Boston, Montreal, not Montreal. We'd be in places like Boston and, and some of those eastern cities, maybe New York City, uh, I'd have kids playing hockey at 7 a.m. the next morning at Port Credit, Mississauga, and I'd be there. And people say, hey, didn't I just see you on the air last night? No, you know, I, we got to fly home at the hockey club. These days, it's not so bad. My kids are, you know, all grown up and uh, at age 25 and 23 and, and doing their thing. And uh, I don't have to be home uh, as I used to as quickly as I would have liked to. So uh, we fly commercial now uh, and, and uh, build up those segments. Um, but it's it's a lot of travel. So 41 away games, and we're about away 100 days uh, out of out of the seven month hockey season. So what does that mean? 210 odd days. You know, 100 plus days were gone. Yeah. So it takes an understanding wife, but uh, you know, all of us as a family and kids as well, when they're growing up, knew this is just what dad does, and uh, we're more than at ease with it, comfortable with it. And, and uh, it just gives you an opportunity to, to see North America go into all of these rinks. You get to know the Zamboni staff. You get to know the, <laughs> the certain ushers and security guards in every NHL rink. And it's, it's really a privilege and a pleasure to go back to a bunch of these rinks, walk in the door, 
uh, be able to shake hands with people and, and them ask you, you know, how family is and whatnot, because this is, you know, relationships that go back a quarter century. So uh, in that regard, as tough as it is to be away from home from that period of time, uh, it's great to, to travel, meet these people, and let's be honest, get to see the Toronto Maple Leafs play 82 games a year. That's that's not a bad thing. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, and you're, and you're one of the best too, Paul. Uh, oh, we really time. respect what you do. Um, so some some new faces uh, in the locker room, in the Leafs locker room this year. We have, you know, Mikhaev, CeCe, Barry, uh, Timoshev, Spezza. Uh, being behind the scenes, um, you know, the Leafs, uh, what can you tell us about some of these new guys, whether it's on or off the ice? Uh, yeah, uh, there are 12 new guys. Um, and you know what? They're new players with pride, confidence, insecurities, all like all of us, it was interesting walking into the rink the other night, and uh, I see Cody Cece being hugged by his dad, and his dad's Perry Cece. Now, back from 1981 to 98, uh, I, I covered OUAA football. It was not OUA, it was OUAA back then, and CIAU sports, it was not CIS. But we did it at CACH. We had the game of the week every Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock, live football, live basketball, that took us right from September through to mid-March. And you get to meet parents, players, grandparents, and, and whatnot. So I've known Perry Cece, Cody's dad, uh, going back to like 1983, 1984. He was the MVP of the Vanier Cup in 1984 when Guelph beat Mount Allison. And, and so, you know, there he was hugging his son. He turns around, sees me, and boom, comes over, gives me a big hug. And, and you know, you get to talk to, to dads about their kids um, and, and just what a tough start it was for Cody uh, in that first 25 seconds of opening night against Ottawa, but things settled down and, 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 but you realize, you know, this is his kid we're talking about. And even though his kid has been in the national hockey league now in his seventh season, it's still his kid and, and, and how parents talk with pride and with caution and hoping for the best and, and knowing how great it is to be a Toronto Maple Leaf and to see the excitement in their eyes. Uh, I, got, I, I sent a text to John Gardner this morning uh, about Jake. I just said, uh, enjoyed the game versus Washington last night. That winning goal brought a smile to my face. Hope all is well. And I got a, you know, a quick response. Paul, you're the best. Um, and I hope everything's good at home and, and, and this sort of thing. So you get to meet, and Andy Riley, Moe's dad, sent me a note the other night. We were in Columbus pointing out the fact that Alex Kerfoot, Morgan Riley, and Seth Jones all played on the same minor novice Adam team at the Brick Tournament in 2004. This oh, wow. is just a random email. So you get to know, develop relationships with parents. You get to know these guys. Um uh, they're good, good people. Uh, this is a great dressing room. Uh, Ilya Mikhaev, you get a chance to just realize how hard he worked to talk with us with cameras in front of his face. And I, my wife's family's from Spain, and I know the first time I went over there in 1987, and I couldn't understand a word, uh, and I took lessons that next year. So when we went back the following year, I was much better, but I would not have been able to have conducted an interview from Russian into English yeah. and made it sound credible. Uh, Ilya Mikhaev has done that. So you, you get an idea as to the glimpse of his personality. As far as the rest of the guys are concerned, uh, they're top-notch. Travis Dermott's one of the big characters uh, of the game. I can't wait till he comes back. Uh, Zach Hyman's another quality player. I can go on and on uh, just about the quality of the people they are. And, and for me and my job, 
that's what stands out to me. Um, even before I think of how good a hockey player and how good a hockey team, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs have, uh, I think of these guys as people. And um, uh, there aren't any bad apples in this group. I, and I mean, I'm not going to tell tales out of school, but I can genuinely say this is a great dressing room and these are good, good people. Yeah, you ever really get insight into that, Paul, because you, you know, as a, in a fan's perspective, we only get to see, you know, an interview with the player, their performance on the ice, and then your sort of analysis. But, you know, it seems like you get a really uh, in-depth view and look at not only the players, but their families as well. Um, oh. um, I know we only have a few minutes here and before we do let you go. So we kind of have one last question for you, Paul. And, um, uh, you know, you've covered this team for, uh, you know, quarter of a century here. We just really want to ask, of all the teams you've covered and all the great players and families you've had to meet, what do you think is your top Leafs moment of you covering this team? Um, a good question. I would have to think uh, the night Matt Sundin recorded uh, his 1,000th point, and I was rink-side host. I forget what network we were on that night. It was either, well, it was either TSN or, or Sportsnet. And uh, we made Matt's the first star, the second star, the third star. <laughs> and Matt's is a very shy, um, unassuming in a way that he doesn't like the spotlight on himself. And so I knew I get two questions. And uh, the first question was to recognize his teammates over the course of his, his great career that contributed to his success. He lit up over that. He was able to talk about his years from the Toronto Maple Leafs on and everyone that surrounded him and accompanied him on that journey through greatness and eventually to the Hall of Fame. The second one was the fans because he did this in Toronto and, and they really meant a lot to him. And the fans loved him, obviously. And, and so just the impact of Toronto's hockey fans and the importance of being able to reach that milestone at Air Canada Centre, what did that mean to him? And again, a great answer. And, and of course, we gave the house what they wanted. We gave Matt's what he wanted. And, and the roof nearly came off the place. So uh, to be able to be on the ice, and it's a moment where you're looking that person in the, in, in, in the eyes and you're going, Oh my heavens! Look what I get to do, and and I, I you know I think back to late night treks across the Trans Canada doing you know covering the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds when my career began, or driving uh, winter uh, 401 trips to Windsor Western to cover OUAA basketball on a Saturday afternoon, or, or those cold November days to cover the Yates Cup and call call the play by play of it. Uh, all those moments led up to that opportunity to be on the ice in Toronto with a future Hall of Famer on the night that he recorded his 1,000th point in the National Hockey League. Uh, it's it's about that journey, but that might be the one great moment for me. Paul, that uh, answer that you have about Sundin there is, uh, I feel how the three of us are feeling now interviewing you. So <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah, we uh, we truly appreciate you uh, coming on to join us. Uh, you're a true professional and, and you're known coast to coast. You're, you're a household name and we all love you. So uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing you on the next broadcast and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you so much. Take appreciate care. it, Paul. All right, guys. Take care. Keep, keep, keep pushing campus radio. It's awesome. Thank we'll try you. our best. Appreciate Thank that. you. Take care. Uh, all right, bye bye. Paul Hendrick, everybody. Legend. I have a smile. I said goosebumps, man, talking about Matt's. Brian is grinning point. from ear to ear. I can't I can't stop. I can't I can't like from my perspective from where I'm sitting right now, 
when he said the Sun Dean thousand point, Brian's face <laughs> just lit up. Those are the, like he's, sw- he's sweating right now. If you can't see it from Mary's, I'm so happy. I grew up. I mean, we all did listening to him. He is a, a household yeah. name. And, and, and you know what? Last week when we were talking about the captaincy, like the way he just spoke about the way Paul Hendrick just spoke about Matt. Um, sorry, uh, Matt Sundin with the captaincy and how he loved the fans and how the fans loved him. Like that's what we're all looking for, right? That's why we made. That's why Toronto made a big deal about who's going to be the next captain because we're almost searching for that. Who's going to be that next guy that that the fans love and that loves the fans back? Because I, I think we we weren't really experiencing that with Dion Phaneuf. The fans didn't love Dion Phaneuf, right? And and who knows how much Dion Phaneuf loved the fans? Um, but Matt's was like the captain of all captains, and we grew up watching him, and and that's what obviously the Leafs captaincy has got to get back to it's that mutual respect and love between the player and the fans. And that's what Matt's had. And that's what Matt's gave. That's what Matt Sundin gave us. And that's why that night was so special for a lot of us. Paul Hendrick included. You know, speaking on the connection that captains have with fans, that connection wasn't made on July 1st of last year with Tavares. It was made the game after he came back from the island for the first time. When they kind of centered him out and he stood right. there. The, the team sort of did that thing where they left and they moved back. And, the, and the, I was actually at that game. Yeah. And the fans gave him one of the loudest ovations I've ever seen to say, We, we love you. you belong here. We love you. And that's, I think, where that connection was made with him and the Toronto fan, fan base. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. But just the way, like the way he talked so highly of him, it really shows you the, the level of respect Matt Sundin has in this in the, in the Leafs organization. Totally. That was fun. I Yeah. Yeah, I, I still have a smile on my face. Uh, great answers and can't be easy to be away from home that much. Like he said, it adds up to over seven years throughout his marriage that he's been away. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't even imagine having a job that would take me away from uh, my family. And, you know, it's you, you got to adjust to life on the road. You got to, you know, you're living out of a suitcase. It's It's something that's difficult to do, but you can tell that he's the type of guy that loves what he does. And, and obviously that gets, that's what gets him through, right? It's definitely a job where you you have to be completely dialed in and just passionate about what you're doing if you're going to last that long, especially in a career like that where you're not – and the athletes themselves go through it too. It's not only them. It's the journalists. It's the, the staff of the teams, uh, equipment managers, trainers, coaches. It's everyone from top to bottom in the organization. You're, you're, you're all in or yeah. else you're, you're not going to last in that career, at least for as long as he's been doing it. And you've seen with like – Scott MacArthur last week and now with Paul Hendrick this week like you said Jordan they, you can tell the way they answer questions the way they handle themselves here on the radio with us they love what they do like they love what they do and uh, that's pre- that's pretty inspiring yeah and the, the one thing is and a lot of people forget about this I mean they they sympathize with the athletes but you don't sympathize with some of the broadcasters and like you said equipment managers and whatnot they're missing their kids birthdays anniversaries with their significant other there that's that's things that you're not going to get back but yet they still go on the air and they put forth a smile and they talk with passion when it's about in this case the Leafs and I mean all the respect in the world to to people like that I I, I wouldn't be able to do it well it's the stuff and he really respected the fact that you brought it up as a question because it's probably something that um it's probably something that not many people think of the, the family side of things, whether it's for the player or the broadcaster, you know, it's 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 a big deal. How much time we got? We got about five minutes. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. The, so thoughts on last night's game or thoughts on Saturday night's game? 
blowing lead, not happy with it. I, I've, I'm, I'm sure I'll mention this later and we'll get into it later yeah, on the we're podcast. Gonna, we're going to get into it in the podcast for sure. Yeah, we'll touch on that more later. But I mean, I've, I've been torn apart for a very simple tweet yeah. that I posted online. You Just did. saying basically, you know, New Year, same team. I think there's some reason for that, though. We'll get into that in the podcast. For those listening, um, if you if you like what we're talking about, you like our interviews, you want, you want some more Leaf Talk, Purposely Offside's got that Leaf Talk for you. Yeah, and you can find um, Paul Hendrick on Twitter, at Henny Tweets. Plug guy, where can you find us? At Purposely underscore Offside on Instagram, at PO Sports Talk on Twitter. Um, also want to give a big shout out to everyone who is listening online at cfmu.ca. Our full show is also posted on the website uh, post show as well if you want. If you missed a show, uh, even past shows and want to go back and listen, they're all posted on cfmu.ca on our Purposely Offside page. You can catch us there. And just to circle back on Paul quickly, he's always tweeting about the Leafs updates answering questions from fans. That's where I go for the lineup. Yeah. I go to, I go to Paul Hendrick for the Absolutely. lineup. Absolutely. For the, for the nightly game, for the games, the lineups. Yeah, he's very Paul active Hendrick. online. So if you do want to reach out to Paul, you can let him know you loved this interview. We definitely appreciate that too. Yeah. You can also catch him on Leafs Nation Network as well. As we were talking host. to him, I'm just picturing him like doing the intro to Leaf games. Yeah. Like whether it was on Leafs TV, it's it was really cool to like hear him. And you're you're just thinking about all those intros and games you've watched, and his and his voice is right there, right? Like, and it's like him, media scrums and everything. Him and Joe Bowen, right? Those are the two. Uh, those are the two voices of the Leafs that we've known forever. I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, make it seem like he was uh, you know too old when I said my opening there that we've been listening to him forever. <laughs> but you know, he's got to know that uh, you know we've been fans of him for a while now, and 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 growing up with the game, growing up watching the Leafs. He's one of the guys. He's one of the voices of the Leafs. Don't worry about your intro. But tags followed up with saying he's been as a quarter century with oh, the Leafs. Yeah. That, that's when you make it seem like oh boy. Time. But you know, just to put things into perspective on how long he's actually followed this team for and been a part of this franchise. Well, oh, and you got if you're good at what media, you do, you've been around for that while. It's a, you've, it's you've a great accomplishment for, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's funny. No, yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, even last week with Scotty Mack, I listened to him so much on the air that I felt like I was a part of his show when we were talking to him, and like you just mentioned. Hearing Paul in the other line, not to seem too, you know, fanboyish, but it was like, this is pretty cool. <laughs> you know, I'm talking to, we're talking to a guy that we've grown up watching. You're almost a little starstruck here. Yeah. You know, in the confines of the studio, you're just like striking up combos with some of the best and it's, it's cool. See, the difference of last week is we ended the interview and that was it. So then we could high five and stuff and, and talk yeah. about the interview. We yeah. can't high five now. Because we still had a show to produce. We got a show to go. You know, we are relied upon to be professionals in this environment and and carry on with our show. And that's exactly what we're doing. And we had some great feedback. A lot of people reached out to us last week and and let us know that they uh, they loved the show with Scotty Mack. And there were a lot of questions that we asked him that they didn't know about. So to everyone that's reached out to us, we truly do appreciate it. Uh, We we do have some awesome guests coming up again in the future. And obviously today, including Paul Hendrick. So we're trying. We appreciate the feedback. And, Feedback's uh, good. It's uh, the constructive criticism is good, and you know, if if you guys out there want uh, anyone that we want uh, or that you want to get on the show, let us know. Let the plug guy know; he'll hook you up. And we've been having people reach out to us now that want to come on the show. Yeah, you know, great. you made a big win. Yes, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. What do you think, plug guy? I think we were not too bad, boys. Not 
too shabby. So we're going to get into some full-fledged Leafs talk. Uh, we're going to talk about why Brian was so mad last night. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about uh, just our, you know, our thoughts on these three games the Leafs have played. Obviously, the Leafs are at home tonight against the St. Louis Blues, the Cup champs. But we're going to evaluate everything from Leafs Ottawa uh, to Leafs Columbus on Friday night and obviously Leafs Habs on Saturday night. So if you want to stick around, um, please do. I can almost guarantee that the entire podcast will consist of Leafs talk and Leafs analysis and hot takes. I think that goes without saying. Yes. It's at that time of season now. Yeah. It's not, you know, July 18th anymore. Yep. First week of NHL hockey. We are wrapping up, though, live on 93.3 CFMU. Like Jordan mentioned, you can find us online. We'll be posting this podcast and show immediately after it airs tomorrow at 9.30. We'll see you guys uh, in about two weeks because next Monday is a holiday. We'll chat then. See ya. What's up, everybody? We're just wrapping up with Paul Hendrick. Always good to talk Leafs with a guy who's been around the team for so long. That was awesome. So insightful and a great person. Dude's just an absolute legend. I mean, we've we've seen and, and known him as far back as we've been watching the team. So it's incredible. To, I still can't believe we got a guy like that on again. We, we talked last week with, with Scotty Mack and... I mean, just I'm still shocked they're able to get a guy like that on. Four years ago, I went to a Leafs preseason game in London. They were facing the Flyers, and uh, went down to ice level. Paul Hendricks just hanging out there, more than willing to take a picture. Just always, like, just super like he was friendly. more than willing to do that interview. I always, when I think of the Leafs off ice, I think of Joe Bowen and Paul Hendrick. Yeah, those are the two guys. If you're a Leafs fan, or if you grow, if you grew up around this area. You know those. Those are household names. Household names. If only Joe Bowen was still on the TV. I know. It drives me crazy. It's like you want you want to watch the Leafs on TV, obviously, but you'd rather listen to the audio from the radio. He just tweeted out a link, actually, because um, if you're listening to the radio while the TV on the TV is on, the radio's slightly delayed. Yeah, it's delayed, yeah. But he apparently tweeted out, and I haven't been able to try it yet, though, a site that syncs radio with tv perfectly we we're just talking yeah. about that yeah. I, just, just, I saw that tweet the other night too and yeah. we came down here jordan mentioned that. it's just funny that he tweeted out because i'm sure this guy gets so many tweets from people all the time saying we need you back on tv we need you back on tv I'm sure he's completely aware of it so he just kind of like snuck that in a little, a little bit so it's like you know what if you i can't probably i probably can't do anything about it but 
If you do want to hear me and would prefer that to go that route, here, here's a link. You're free to use it however you like. You don't have to tune in and listen to the, the TV broadcast. So here, there's another way to, to get me on there. I don't know exactly when it was, but it, I think it was 2014, 2015. Don't quote me on that exact year. It, he announced, or, or the Leafs had announced that he would be, him and Ralphie would be broadcasting games at home, all, even when the game's on the road oh, from really? just a dark room. Watching yeah. it on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this. And I remember the the outcry was so big from fans. Because they wouldn't pay for the travel. They wouldn't pay for the travel. That's right. They cheaped out on that and everyone just revolted and protested really. It was like, you can't do that. Wasn't, wasn't yeah, that it's, not a, a, it's not authentic. Wasn't that no. a Lou decision? Didn't, he, didn't they make the change where the the uh, media people weren't traveling with the team? They like still don't do that, I don't believe. Yeah, they used to. And then they he came, came in and He came and in and it. said, no, team only, Yeah, coaches only. Kicked them, kicked them right off, and I think that's what's what started that was like you know we can't probably can't afford to or want to just send our own media members another charter or something like that. So they just said you know what we're gonna do something else. Joe Bowen's the brutal, best. but you can't he's you the, can't the best. you can't expect him to broadcast a game in a dark room on the road. Well, he's the best, and the best have to be where the action exactly. is. exactly right. He's got to be where the action is. Anyway, so anyway, we gotta get him on the show. Eventually, that's the plan. Working up towards that. Yeah, be great. Yeah, man. So guys. I mean, we got so much to talk about. There was three games this week. How would you rate this week? I, I mean, we took five out of six points. Like a letter grade or what do you want to be giving? Yeah. You got to give it a... Okay, so if, I, if I'm factoring in everything, I'm including like the results and play, I'd give it a B plus. Yeah, I was going to say B plus, A minus. Yeah. I, get, I honestly would give it an A. Why? I thought they played pretty well, except for a few mistakes last night. It's an A, in my opinion, if at the beginning of the week you said if the Leafs took five or six points, what grade would you give them? And I would say A. It's how I'm they lost that extra else. point. Yeah. So that completely, well, aside from the game against Ottawa, the smashing in Columbus, you think that's all tarnished because of a few small turnovers? To a divisional rival, I don't care if it's a back to back, you're up 4 1. You get the extra point. Well, they looked good because they were scoring some beautiful goals. But yeah, they, but they didn't necessarily like, like they didn't necessarily play the most cleanest defensive hockey. So I think that's where I get the, that's where the B plus factors, and that's that prevents me. That's what prevents me from giving the A is that um, I thought they made a lot of mistakes against Ottawa this week. They were pretty. Um, the first period was horrendous. They didn't. They gave the puck away a lot, but then the second period—that's when the true Leafs came to play, right? That's the puck possession team that we've been, uh, that we know this team is capable of doing and playing. And the team that Dubis wants is that puck possession, uh, offensive control the game type hockey. And and I think there was a period when they were in the Ottawa zone for at least two or three minutes, and uh, so that was great. And then the third period. Um, was all right too. Right? Those it, two, it was good too. So I mean, the, the first game was good besides the first period, but there was also there was games and or sorry, there's periods against Columbus where they were giving up a lot of opportunities as well. Those first two games, you were expected to win. The Leafs were expected to win those two. Right. It bugs me, and I've been taking a lot of heat from you guys and the rest of the guys in the group. Our Leafs group. Our Leafs group. The negativity I've, I've had after that game. You're up four one at home. I don't care if it's a back to back. I don't care if your back up is in that. You're up four to one. Yeah, against a divisional opponent who isn't expected to be as good as you this year. So I don't care if it's game three. That's probably, win the game. That's probably what we're going to talk. What we're going to talk about a lot right now is last night's game, or sorry, not last night's game. This is Monday, Saturday night's game. 
against the Habs. So let's start there. Um, what did you think, Bri? I mean, when you're up four one, I honestly thought, okay, this game's over. I don't. It, Hutchinson's playing well. The Leafs are playing well. They're, you know, they're firing on all cylinders. Yeah, Price. I think the game could have been six seven one at that point, but Price made some pretty big saves. Four mm-hmm. two. All right. You know, I still think the Leafs have it. Four three. I'm like, okay, they're losing this game now. The momentum. I'm glad Matthew scored late to get that extra point. For sure. Because then I would have been just off the cliff if that if they lost in regulation. Yeah, yeah, they solved. At least they that, got the point, sure. right? They got the point, <clears throat> but I don't like how they got the point. No, I don't like how they got the point either. And yeah, and now you're right. You're taking a lot of heat. It seemed like when they were up four one, they kind of they definitely took their foot off the gas. And Montreal just you could tell they 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 wanted it. They just clawed back. I mean that captain blunder just completely threw the game off for them. But but Brian's right. He's taking a lot of heat. Yeah. For for what he well, I should clarify this for those listening. We have a Leafs group on WhatsApp. And, you know, we all get a little emotional when the games are going on. And we're, I think Leaf fans in general, we get emotional and angry when we blow a lead. Totally. Never mind a 4-1 lead. We're uh, sensitive another, to that's it. 4-1's on another level. Yeah. That's like the lead we hate. That's like probably the lead we hate. <laughs> that's and what, that's and the one we hate blowing. Yeah, totally. Um, but I know where your frustration obviously lies. The Leafs are notorious for blowing leads. It's not the first one. It probably won't be the last one. I think it stings a little more when you do it on Saturday night against the Habs. So maybe we should talk about why and how we blew the lead. Here's the tweet that I sent out. I feel like was very harmless. I didn't miss this kind of stress. New season, same team. Hmm. Is that that bad? I think maybe you're taking a lot of flack because people think that it's too early still to judge. It's never too early. You see teams miss the playoffs in, by they, one point. They, they lost they, 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 their first loss, whether it be in shootout or not. But you think even three games in it's and you're saying same team? I'd rather lose 6 nothing than blow a lead like that. Really? To the Habs especially. We're not playing Tampa where you almost expect, okay, you're up 4-1. Tampa can probably, can probably score four or five goals at will. Yeah. You're playing the Habs. Yeah. You, you need and, to and beat the them. And the Leafs work full in full cruise mode at 4-1, they could have just shut it down, cruised to a nice 4-5-1 victory with an empty netter. And that's where, you know, that's where the frustration lies, right? It's like it was right there. Nylander gets us on the board. You shouldn't let a team, any I don't care who it is, this, Montreal, Tampa, that's true, yeah. I don't care who it is, you shouldn't let a team who is in the talks to win the Stanley Cup should not be letting a 4-1 lead go by. And But you know what? Yes, Everyone does it. The Leafs are going to do it again. Other teams in the league are going to do it. But I think we've seen this so much in the past, and there's a history there. There's the whole game seven against the Bruins that we don't like to see it because it brings up some bad memories, right? Hundred percent, one thousand percent. Yeah, and and the, and to speak to Brian's frustration, um, I think we there's certain games we look at throughout an NHL season. Right. If the Leafs were to blow a four-one lead on a Tuesday night against Carolina, I don't think it would sting as much as a Saturday night game against a rival in the Habs. Right. Mm-hmm. So I get where the frustration go, you know, lies there, and and uh, it's a game we want to win against the Habs and against that Max Domi, who is what a knob, who, who's <laughs> he, he who had, keeps he, right. He like chirped the shit out of Kapanen. Did you guys? He's see a that? tool. Yeah, that was epic, and then that was like embarrassing. 
he's that, a tool. that happened in their own barn. Although he's a player I'd want on the Leafs. I feel like we need a guy like yeah. that. But hey, I can't man. stand playing against him. Max Domi's a good player. And totally. Hockey Night in Canada captured the entire thing. Like, as soon as Peachy scored. Max Domi is not like a... He's not in the same category, obviously, as Austin Matthews and, and Mitch Marner in terms of Tier 1. But he is a perfect... He's there. Uh, he's a perfect Tier 2, I'd say, player who can score, get you about, what, 70, maybe 70, 80, 80 points, potentially. And he has some grit to his game. He's tough. He's tough. He's like his dad, but 100 yeah. times more skill. 100%. So it's... The problem is, and I was, again, taking heat for the fact that it's early. And it is, right? It's but games no, in. it's not. You think teams like Montreal last year who missed the playoffs by a point or two. Right. They're looking at games in early October that they blew and said... Maybe we said it's early, but I guess it wasn't. Well, they have to they have to get off to a good start. Like you look at their schedule this month, they got a tough schedule. They got a lot of back-to-backs, early games against division opponents. Like these are all must-wins and like we go back to last year in the last like 2 years, the slow starts or like the November slumps and stuff like that. They caught up to them at the end of the season where they, you know, missed out on catching catching Boston by like 4 points and 5 points. They had some tough um uh, you know, missed opportunities where they're missing out on points that they should have won one or two points here. It does make a difference. And it, and it makes and a huge difference, especially against a division opponent early and in, in the season. And in this Austin, let's call it the Austin Matthews era, right? Let's just call it that. They have gone off to, they have got off to good starts. Very good starts. And, and like you said, Jordan, they always seem to tail off towards the end of the season. They always have that January, February kind of uh, slump, but they have gone off to good starts. But let's go big picture here on the week. You know, Wednesday against Ottawa, Friday night in Columbus, Saturday night against Montreal, five out of six points. That's a good start. That Expe- is a good start. It's a great start. An expected start. It's a good start, but I understand where the where the frustration lies uh, with blowing leads, and it seems like the Leafs, we've been watching them for years, guys. Uh, it seems like there's points in a game where the ice tilts and they have trouble tilting it the other way. Correct, and that's what the third period seemed like last night. Yeah, it's like they couldn't after Nylander's goal. The Habs just wanted it more, and I don't know, you know, the probably that the goal that went off that went in off Riley's leg gave them a little bit of momentum. But for the Leafs being the elite team that they're supposed to be, you should be able to continue to to find your game again, you know, rally from that, and and and, and either lock it down or go ahead and score a. A 5-2 goal, but instead it seemed like goal after goal. You had some bad penalties. You had, um, obviously, the penalty shot uh, that was conceded by, you know, Kapanen throwing the stick uh, at the player. He said he didn't know the rule. Um, and even if he didn't know the rule, I felt like it was more of a reactionary play than than anything, but you can't do that. So it was a string of things, right? They, they lost momentum and they couldn't get it back. And... To be honest, I don't think the defensive play has been good with this team. In three games, it hasn't been that great. There's been a lot of two-on-ones. Like, Hutchison stopped the two-on-one in the first period. That could have made it, like, 2 nothing. They were a bunch of breakaways against as well. Ottawa, had, shorthanded. Ottawa had some two-on-ones. Yeah. Uh, Columbus was coming on, I think, I believe it was in the second period or third period of that game. So, what do you guys think of the defense? Like, what's... In comparison to last year and what you've seen through three games, what do you think of the defense? There's been a lot of turnover. I, I like the the defensive core a lot better this year than last year. Yeah. But again, it's early. So I'd like to I'd like to see how this plays out later on in the season. And obviously come playoffs, of course. But I think we have a better decor 
than we have had in years past. You're yeah. taking out Hainsey, Gardner. They're definitely a quicker defensive course, especially taking out old man Hainsey. But um, Barry, fantastic stud. addition. He's a stud. I mean, just see, you just see some of the highlights he's had with like his stick work and the game against Ottawa. The guy dangles the crap out of, I don't even know who it was, Sabrin or somebody. Just dang, he's a last man back, breaking out of his own end, and he just dangles the guy to get out of his end and makes a beauty pass. That was nice. Well, like, I think we were talking last night. So much skill. It's we were fantastic talking last addition. Night, like you have two player, two power plays right now. One's being anchored by Riley and one's being anchored by Barry. When's the last time the Leafs had that kind of, you know, power, an offensive power in defenseman anchoring a power play? We used to have Caberlet and McCabe, but they were on the same power play. You have yeah. two guys like Barry and Riley controlling and anchoring a power play. It is lethal. They should be able to to get a lot of goals with the man advantage this year. They're not yet. They're not yet, but 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 the power play looks great. They're hitting, I mean, a few posts on those power plays against Ottawa. The power play looks good. Um, I agree with you, Brian. The defense is obviously the best it's been in this Austin Matthews area. When I say that, I mean the last like three, four years. But they still, you know, they still seem to be giving it away a lot, uh, getting the odd man rushes. So we'll see how that uh, we'll see how they make those changes and those fixes as the season moves on. But obviously, in these three games, it's been a little bit shaky. You know what I didn't like last night, and and I'm probably looking at this a little bit more than I should. After that goal went off uh, Riley and into the net, CBC panned to him after and showed a replay of him just losing his mind. Yeah, flipping out, stick smashing, smashing against the, the boards. Stick, yeah. You can tell he was swearing. And why are you getting that frustrated over a goal just going in? There's young players on your team looking up to you. From what it seems like, he was obviously in the running for the captaincy. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of young players looking up to him. And if he's freaking out like that, yeah, but for a goal going in, but don't, don't you like that it, he, don't you like that he cares? Yes, but show your emotion another way. Go out the next shift and score a goal. Is that is that him showing emotion or like uh, accepting that he made a mistake, or is that him being frustrated at teammates? But that was something he couldn't even do. It went right. off like the the puck just bounced off but his leg maybe he he's also frustrated at his d partner like i know like cc's a new man for him and like he's getting some it's gonna take them some time and clearly they're not they're not on par with each other yet so you think like maybe he's frustrated at the play of his d partner do you think he's frustrated at the play of the team overall like i mean he's a pretty emotional guy out there that's for sure but it's, it's just like where do you think that is coming from it's probably it, looking into it. it's probably looking into it more than i should i just felt like after that play that's when the leafs started just playing like complete garbage and I'd like to see him in that situation take it a bit more serious. It wasn't the 5-4 goal. It's 4-2. You still have complete control of the game. I he, think for Riley, he's one of the longest tenured Leafs right now. He knows what a 4-2 goal yeah. can potentially lead to. Yeah. And it did Yeah, in, exactly. in the case of Saturday night. So I think he's seen a few things. He's seen some meltdowns before. And he knows he might even like he might have been frustrated because he knows a little mistake like that could lead to the ice being tilted against them put him back in the game and it puts them back in the game and and, and it did and i I, to be honest i think what riley's also frustrated on is that he was a minus two on the night and i think to speak to jordan's point um i think there is a little bit of learning curve here with his new defensive partner he's playing with cc correct i feel bad for him yeah he's he's playing with cc so he's probably carrying a lot of the responsibility cc looks a bit lost right now uh he got he got a a nice goal against um, against Columbus on Friday night, but he seems, you know, to be finding his way. 
and, and maybe maybe he's just expressing some of that frustration uh, on himself, you know, as a, as a leader of this team. Uh, he, that line, Riley and CeCe, they're playing with Marner, Tavares, and uh, Kapanen, correct? Yeah. Well, they haven't been doing, in terms of the plus-minus, like I know plus-minus is not the be-all and end-all of stats, but if we look at the stats, if we look at that stat specifically, uh, Marner and Kapanen were minus two on opening night against the Senators. Last uh, Saturday night, sorry, I should say, against the Habs, Marner, Tavares, and Kapanen were minus two. All right, along with Riley. Riley was a minus two as well, along with CeCe. So I think maybe the reason Riley is getting frustrated is because as a five-man unit, they seem to be having some um, some trouble meshing together. I think pressure has a lot to do with it too. For These sure. guys know this year is big. One yeah. of the biggest years the Leafs have ever had For in terms sure. of expectation. Right. But is that a bad thing that they might be feeling the pressure in game three because of dummies like me? <laughs> I th- I think they understand that it's game three. And there's a lot of time to figure this out. I think for Riley, he's getting used to a new defensive partner. He's also getting used to playing with Kapanen. Um, not not getting used to playing with Kapanen, but getting used to playing with Kapanen alongside Marner and Tavares. I think when you add two guys that you have not really used to getting play with, uh, to getting played with, it- it's kind of a learning curve for everybody. So I think in terms of that five man unit, there's a little bit of a learning curve, especially with a new defensive partner, and maybe that's where his frustration lies a bit. Because as a as a leader, like you said, one of the guys that were supposed to be uh, that, that were in the um, runnings to be a captain, I think he thinks he can do more to prevent those goals. And when he sees them go in, especially off him, it really it kind of lights a fire on under his butt, and and he's a little disappointed in himself. Uh, can he handle himself a little better than smashing his stick on the on the ice? Sure, but for me, I I, I like the fact that he cares. I like the fact that he cares. I like it, but I think as a leader, and you, and you mentioned earlier with young guys on your team, I think you need to go about it differently. Yeah. Um, you make a mistake like that. You know, he's a guy like him. Like you said, he's a veteran, top talent in the league. That mistake goes in. You know what? Brush it off, and let's get focused on the next shift. You know, taking it out, different players, players have a way of taking it out differently, whether it's just like internally or being vocal or like you said, smash your stick yeah. on the ice, things like that. Like, but re- what, regardless, it looks bad on yourself as a, a guy that's supposed to be a leader for a lot of young guys. Um, and, and I, I guess, I guess he needs I've, to learn yeah, how to, right. he'll need to learn moving forward how to go about it in different ways. And I guess but at that four two, at four two, you probably shouldn't be smashing your stick. You're still, no. you're still up by two. I, I like the way he cares, but yeah, you, you're probably right. You probably could handle that a bit better. Any concern with the slow starts from, uh, you know, guys like Kapanen, Janssen? I think Kapanen is just is trying to fill a role that's very hard to fill right now. Uh, he he he's a guy. He's a checker. He's also a skill guy, but you're asking Kapanen to fill a role that Hyman does so well to retrieve pucks and to be that pest on the lineup and to be that guy that can, that almost defers to the more skilled players. I think Kapanen wants to be one of the skilled players who can score on on the team. So I, th- I think he's going to find it a bit difficult to be the Hyman on that line because he wants the puck too. And he wants to score and produce the points. 
Whereas Hyman, he knows his role. Does that make sense? I'd like I to see a Janssen, Kapanen switch. I feel like Kapanen's more suited for that top line. Whereas and, I feel and, like, and he played with Matthews last year. Yeah, I'd like to see that uh, that adjustment, but Babcock's but, never going to do that because he hates adjustments. Well, but he doesn't check, though, right? Like, I know. Janssen's not much of a checker as Kapanen. But I think I don't think you can replace. It's funny how we're just I'm, I'm pumping Hyman's tires because <laughs> a couple like, years ago no one was. We're doing actually, that. No one was a couple. We're actually years ago. seeing why he's a Babcock guy now. Yeah. Well, like, I, it's I, like I, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Like seriously. Well, and, and, and there's limited people who do that on the Leafs mm-hmm. that hit and, and are a pest. We lost Kadri. Kadri was was a pest, right? So I think we we really value those guys in our lineup. Because we don't have many. Obviously, you know, Dubis has built this team in a specific kind of way. It's it's not really checking. It's not really a, a gritty squad. It's a, it's a skill squad. So mm-hmm. you do respect those guys. I, I laugh because of <laughs> something you just stated. What? <laughs> Let's hear it. Let's bring this up again. Not again. I don't even really think we touched on it too, too much last week. Yeah. But when you said that Dubas has built a, a skill squad as opposed to a gritty squad. Yeah, so you're going to all Don Cherry on us. We now. all know this doesn't work in the playoffs. <laughs> this is a regular... It, Cherry was so... I don't maybe agree with the Canadian aspect of what he said. He was so spot on. Tell tell the audience what they said. What, what Cherry, Cherry said. Cherry basically said that the Leafs will win, you know, unless they have 16 plus Canadians on their team. Not verbatim, but something He said they along, will never win the cup. He's because right. Because they are not physical enough. 1,000%. This is a regular season hockey team. Everyone can go out there and get their 80, 90, 100 points. They can get their 100-plus points in the regular season as well as a team. Come playoffs, every team has a tough guy with grit, and they play a different style of hockey, and the Leafs can't play that. So the thing that always got to me is, like, what changes in the playoffs? Intensity. Intensity. And physica- physicality. Well, when you go through an 82-game season, and you're, and you're one of 16 teams that, had a sh- that have a shot for the Cup, you're almost already halfway there. So I think it's just, it's part of being in that like elimination bracket playoff. It's the intensity is just, it's on another level. The, there's less penalties and you, and these gritty guys, these, these gritty guys know that and, and they get away with that much more. Totally. The, the whistles are, are, are set away and teams play with physicality that you don't see in the regular season at all, ever. Well, how many penalties Leafs Boston last year in the playoffs? There was so like on both sides, mind you, of there's so many things that weren't called, so many penalties that were not called that were clearly penalties in the season. And there are also some really soft garbage penalties that were called as well. There was. So so just depends on the series. You saw some series like last year that yeah, um, it was Vegas San Jose. These guys were getting away with murder. Oh yeah. And then you had the Leafs Boston series. It was just like super tight. They were calling everything, and they were know. calling everything, but they also missed a lot of a lot yeah. of things too. Here's what so I'm going to do like for very inconsistent for our next show. I'm going to do a little research. I don't want to um, make things up on the, the top of my the head, spot, but yeah. the last 15 years, I'm going to go to cup winning teams. I'm going to pull, pull out two or three gritty players yeah. that made a difference, and ask you guys to compare who that Leafs player is. Okay, because I, like I don't think game. any of them exist. I like that game. Let's do it. It doesn't exist on the Leafs right now. So we're going to get rinsed first round. So what did Don, like what were his exact where the Leafs are not going to win a Stanley Cup? Ever. Ever. Basically, with with this kind of lineup, without any grit, essentially is what he was saying. Again, not word for word, but. And that's the problem, right? Like we're going to love this team because they're going to score a lot of goals. They're going to win a lot of games. They're going to make the playoffs. 
But I can guarantee you, come playoff time, we're going to be reiterating what we're saying right now. Which is what we did last. Which is what so we did last. Even year. if it wasn't Boston, other teams find a way to be physical, and the Leafs just with Kadri gone, who's going to do that? Do you respect Cal Dubas though for having? A view, no, because it's of, wrong. Of this team, <laughs> but do you respect him for having a view and implementing it of what he feels that where the NHL he, is or where, where it's and where it's going? You, do you think he's looking too far ahead of the current well, style? I, I, of, I guess uh, my I guess my hockey? question is is will will you respect his view on the game if the Leafs go one or two rounds this year? If I'll respect it if they win a cup. So not not, not not around? Not until they win a cup. I agree. Because if they get to the cup final even and they just get beat up. They have to prove they have to prove to the league and they have to prove to all to the people like us and, and your like people who feel the same way that you do, that they can win without being as physical as most of the Stanley Cup past Stanley Cup champions have been. The game has that been narrative changed. will change and it'll be like the we talked about this before, like the the Chicago philosophy of winning and like the LA philosophy. When the Leafs have the Toronto Maple Leafs philosophy for winning a Stanley Cup, that's when you know it's worked. Well, and and that's the thing, right? Because we see every year in the NHL, there's like a different philosophy to winning. What we don't see is the team who copies the team that previously won the championship win the championship. We don't we don't see that. There's always a new model, right? Like LA won that one year. They had big heavy guys. Right then, teams switched to big, heavy guys, and all of a sudden, they couldn't keep up with these fast, elite skaters. Well, right? and, and, it's showing, and it's showing now for them because like they're old. They're That's so like, right. Teams like, uh, you know, like the other night they played Edmonton, and they were just yeah. like they just could not compete with guys like Connor McDavid and Drysaitel. Like, you like, need a mix though of that yeah. speed, and then you also need grit. And the the Leafs just don't. Ha- I don't have confidence in them that come playoff time. Yes, they can turn up their intensity level. They're going to get run over. And, and I think that's also where your frustration lies with that last night's loss, is if they had a few of those guys in the lineup, they wouldn't be so easy to roll over. Well, you saw Weber just, de- yeah, like just demolish Tavares. Yeah. And Nothing you saw happened. three guys skate by. Yeah. yeah. They Nothing. just like little nudge and then they kind of like skated away like, like cowards. Like, well, who's going to step in there? Nobody. That's nobody. my point. When that happens in the playoffs, who's going to go? Well, I'm asking, I'm asking you guys, though, who should, like, who should step in there? I know they have nobody, but who's who's that's, the guy? That's the thing. That lineup, Marner's not going to go up to Shea Weber no. and, and push him around. Who's gonna, Kapanen's like, not going to. Riley's not going to. Who, who on that roster will? And that's that's kind of that's it's a scary. Point. It's it's scary to think. But who's who's going to go push Shea Weber? Like I can't even think of one guy right now that would do so. Freddie Goche only because he's as tall as him. Or Freddie, maybe, but, yeah. but that's it. Like he's not he's not going to kick his face in. Who was the guy who cross-checked uh, that one? The one hab in front of the net last night, and then Shea Weber got into it with. Uh, oh like man, Kerfoot? Was it, uh, it was at Kerfoot. Yeah, yeah. And it's like basically no response from like you know Shea Weber goes after a few of the players, and nothing else happens from there. It's just the refs kind of break it up. But who's, who's going to step up to Weber? Like, what blows my thing. What blows my mind with that though is you know Shanahan has a lot of input on this team. He was a gritty player. He was a gritty player on a gritty team that won cups. So if it was if this was just Dubas, okay, but I put some blame on Shanahan as well. He's got to step in eventually. Mm-hmm. Him and Babcock and say, "Listen, oh, you're right, bro. You got to go get someone gritty." They've what, had chances. What look, did look Simmons at, go for last year? Fourth, fourth round pick, you know? And he we, signed for nothing. He signed for what? Three mil, four mil, and then like a like a prove yourself sort of contract. I know that doesn't make the difference, but at least it provides some sort of physicality in the playoffs where you can put him out there and be like. 
He's going to protect these guys, and he's going to run through a wall if he needs to. And that's why that's why I say we we respect Zach Hyman so much. He's the one guy in our lineup that has a little sandpaper into him or to him, right? On that point, I think this is last year and this year has to be the first time since probably the early two thousands where we've went into a, a season almost guaranteeing they were going to make the playoffs. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last year and this year. Yeah. 2016 it was a surprise. Uh, well, the one, the one, the first year with uh, with Matthew, with Matthews uh, got the four goals. Uh, the year that uh, they lost to Washington, we weren't really expecting them to make it. That was a huge surprise. We thought that was they were going to tank again. Yeah, they were going to have a lottery pick again, and they just came out and. The year after, I felt everybody. like okay, you know, let's see if they can improve on last year. But there was still no guarantee. Last year and this year, it's almost a guarantee. We're in October. We can be like when the playoffs come around, yeah. as opposed to if. I agree. And Knock even, on wood. It, I obviously don't want to jinx anything, but it'd be a well, massive Brian, embarrassment. The Leafs got to make the playoffs this year. If they don't make the playoffs, yeah. it's going to be a disaster. Yeah. Like embarrassing. Gonna, like Babcock's. Well, well, did you hear what Babcock said yesterday on the uh, his interview with Chris Simpson before the the Leafs Habs game? No, on Saturday night, I should say. I keep saying yesterday. Uh, basically, he says that the window is now for them. Right, like he 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 does. He feels like the year that they lost the Leafs lost to Washington in six games. He's like that was pretty much playing with house money. Mm-hmm. We didn't expect to make the playoffs. We did. We went out in the first round. It was a good learning experience. The second year against Boston, the game where obviously Jake Gardner was a minus five and they lost in game seven, <laughs> he said that they, you know, they, they, he didn't really feel disappointed. He's like, last year is the year we felt disappointed because we felt we should have went around. He's like, so I count the window. The window is now to win a cup and win a championship. And totally. I think that's why you see him. Right. That's that's why you see him with the, the Raptors NBA ball and giving the the player the game, you know, the, the NBA championship basket uh, basketball, I should say. I think he feels the windows now. The problem is, is it, and relating to what we're talking about, do the Leafs have enough grit and sandpaper to win in the playoffs? And the, the, the answer is we won't know that until obviously April. Um, but if they don't, there's going to be some jobs lost, and uh, there's going to be some people questioning uh, the whole Kyle Dubas theory on how to build a hockey team. I will flip out if they lose another first round. But, but guys, I, I don't know what I'll do. It's, Trust it's, me, it's, you're going to be the only one, buddy. I, I said this before, and I know this like this sounds really bad because it almost says to me that the regular season this year doesn't mean anything. But this regular season, because of the what you just said, Brian, the fact that we, they 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 are going to make the playoffs, it doesn't mean anything. This how the success of this year is all about the the playoffs and this regular season does not matter. The next 79 games should be a prep for the first round of the playoffs. The, exactly. It shouldn't again, if if everything goes as planned and the players perform up to their standards, you're in the playoffs. I but, don't know where. But you can't teach people how to be how to play with grit. No. That's the problem. And I don't mean to sound negative because I always am negative when it comes to the Leafs. Right. Well, they haven't you, you given have me all, you, they haven't you given can. me any you can. But they haven't given me a reason to not be negative since I was uh, 12 years old. You, you can gain grit by experiencing what it is like to play in the playoffs. Like when you go through and you play Boston twice in a row and you see how gritty and, and the beating that you've taken physically against guys like Chara and Bacchus and all these huge guys they have in their team, you learn how to become a gritty player. Stop because it. The, yeah, stop. You can learn grit. So, so next, you don't, you don't season, just come into the league and be physically tough. I can, I can, you can learn to how to play gritty ex- hockey. To a certain extent. You can't learn how to play like like Brad Marchand. Brad Marchand is just Brad Marchand because that's the way he's been playing since he was a kid. 
So Nylander next next year in the playoffs is going to start running guys and finishing his checks because he's been through three years of disappointing playoff performances? You might see them start trying to finish checks. They That's might... the difference. They can try, but they're not going to be successful at it. Some That's players will. Look at Trevor Moore. Small guy. He's gritty. Is he Kurt Foot is going to be – yeah, he he's, showed some grit last year. Trevor he's Moore, he's gritty tr- for Maple Leaf standards. Yeah. Yeah. He's not gritty he on the finish, He finishes for... checks. He gets into the corners. He's not afraid to get in front of the net and take some shots. Guys on Boston and St. Louis spit like, on guys like Trevor Moore. Yeah, but okay, okay. But maybe, maybe we should redefine gritty because who, Jordan, who on any other team is scared of Trevor Moore? I'm not saying they're scared, but I'm saying they can still play with grit. You're not going to be, you might not have guys on the other team that are going to be intimidated by guys just based on stature alone, but it's you can play about, gritty and be a small player. It's not about stature. It's about like, I'm going to look twice before I cross this neutral zone or skate the puck this way because if Brad Marchand's on the ice, I got to have eyes everywhere. Who, who is worrying about what guy's going to lay them out on the Leafs? Right? Like, who are you worried about? You're worrying about guys dusting you and, and like, making a move on you, but who, who, who are they going to worry about in terms of checking you? I heard this on lot. this current team. I don't think anybody. That's right. what we're, that's they're what gonna, we're trying to say. But, but I think that's what but Brian's trying to say. Though, yeah, grit. I'm talking about like not like physical intimidation. You can you can play gritty hockey. You're, you're not gonna. You're, this team is not built to go out and dominate physically like we've talked about. They don't like, need to. Like until St. The Louis comes around. Though. St. Louis and Boston. But you can you can play with some balls. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can do that and win 50 games in the regular yeah. season. But you're not going to win 16 come playoff time. And that's really what the ultimate goal is, isn't it? So the Leafs, the San Jose Sharks. Or they're, or they're setting themselves up to be the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, they never really had... I mean, they have Kane this year, which I would take on my team in terms of some grit and physicality. When, I wouldn't take him. When did Washington start to be successful? Well, Tom those? Wilson. There you go. When they had someone on the ice that you were scared that, about. That is the one guy. Ryan Reeves take, on Vegas. I would take him my team in a heartbeat. I'd trade for Ryan Reeves in two seconds. Yeah. But you see where I'm saying, Jordan? Like even Shen, though, guys like that. Like I'd, I'd trade for those guys in a heartbeat. Even though Trevor Moore, like you said, has some grit, yeah. there's no f- people don't fear Trevor Moore in a physical kind of way. I need to find this report, but I, I remember it came out on TSN or Sportsnet last year where one of their reporters said, I've heard from a handful of GMs and executives and coaches that said when the Leafs are in town or we're visiting Toronto, we are not scared. We are not intimidated. No, no one's scared of the Leafs. And these are coaches and GMs coming out and saying this. Again, behind the scenes. But I remember the report came out last March or April where they said no one is afraid of playing the Toronto Maple Leafs. No one's scared. They all say, you're right. They all say, oh, they have a great power play. They have some great skill, great speed. But they're not scared of them in a physical way. You're right. Which, again, doesn't matter in the regular season because no one's really playing too physical anyway. The Leafs can go out there and score six goals at will. I'm talking playoffs because now this is where it counts. Hypothetical situation for both of you. Let's hear it. All right. You are, let's say, uh, let's give the Leafs a different first-round opponent here instead of Boston. Uh, You are the uh, New York Rangers. You made the playoffs. You're facing the Leafs in the first round. What's your game plan against the superior Leafs team skill-wise? Check them to death. Finish every check. Mm-hmm. The good. New York coaches are going in there first round being like, dominate them physically. We might not be as skilled as them. Wear them down every check or every shift. Finish your checks. Yep. Hit them. 
because we, we don't need to be scared of them. They're scared of us. 100%. And that's a pretty easy game plan if you don't have the same skill as the Leafs. And you also throw in there the fact that it's a playoffs. The refs are going to be pretty lenient on the whistles. Finish yeah. every check and give them a little shot after. Play a little dirty. Play a little yeah. dirty. I think the Leafs back away from that a little bit. You know, They don't really have anyone to respond. And... and <laughs> So that that's that, I think that's all of, that's all of our biggest concerns, is is their lack of um, lack of toughness. I don't mean to go all depresso mode game three no, of the season. I was gonna <laughs> say this is like this is the most negative. We're trashing this team. <laughs> I don't. There. No, Joe, we're not like, trashing them. We're not. It, it's critically analyzing the team that's in front of us. We know this team's good, but and we but we know that their goal, obviously. According to Babcock, according to the media, according to the Leafs themselves, their goal is to win a championship. What we're discussing right now is how can they do that? Mm. Because right now they haven't won a round yet. I think they're just under the belief that they can win with their skill. I, I really the think that that's season, their philosophy. Course, yeah. And I think they're going to take that into the playoffs. I think I, I think they legitimately think that they're going to win with skill. Unless, and change the makeup of the NHL if it's, if it's where it's heading. I won't believe it until I see it. I, that's all I can leave it at, really, because yeah. they haven't given me a reason to believe it. They've been rinsed in the first round three straight years. That being said, the Leafs are awesome. They have a great. Find out. <laughs> they have some great skill. We're find out. They're uh, lighting teams Ma- up. Man. Matthews is is on another level right now, like in terms of scoring goals. That guy's a, a stud. I think you'll see some grit out of him this year. He's he's he looks he's playing big. He's, his confidence is through the roof. Jordan, stop saying like Matthews is going to be Brad Marchand. <laughs> he's not going to be don't that th- guy. You don't think this guy is capable of being a big body player? Yeah, okay, maybe to hold the puck off people, like hold the puck away and shield the puck, but like he's not going to be finishing a check. The guy's like over 200 pounds. He's a big he's, boy. He's a big boy. That doesn't he's, mean he's, he's not going to lay, yeah. lay his body out. You don't think he can turn into that player? He's no. not going. Why would he? He's going to pop his coaching plus. staff doesn't want him to be that player. If anything, the coaching staff wants him to stay away from the physical game, so there's a less chance that the physical so game gets played go- on him. Then he'd be a ghost in the playoffs, and he only play under 20 minutes. So that's not up to him. No, it, it, his job is to protect the puck. Eventually, these guys are score have some to, goals have to play and make way. his linemates be- make his linemates better. I'd rather see that what you're explaining right now from Tavares instead of Matthews. Tavares, well, you're, Tavares right now has the captain slump. He doesn't have a goal yet. Is that a worry of concern? I no, still feel like he's playing there's well. There's no worries there. No he's got there. a target on his back now. There's no worries there. We're on his teams, teams will play him differently now, and they have been. Well, it's opening up and Matthews, do, that's for sure. And you do when you get when you get a letter in your jersey, you get a target. The, thing I, the thing I do like about uh, about the the Leafs right now is the way they've they've uh, changed around their power play. I like how they put uh, Tavares in the middle of the ice. They put Janssen in front of the net, and I like how they have Matthew, Matthew shooting the one-timer on the on the right-hand side. Yeah, their power play looks ridiculous. Yeah, looks good. And it was like that last year, but it hopefully it doesn't slump. But we we got to wrap good. up soon, right? We do. Uh, do you guys want to say anything on uh, Michael Hutchinson as we wrap up, or is there something you want to say for after? We could talk Leafs for five and a half hours. <laughs> seriously. <I'll> s- <laughs> I'll say this. Do you think it was too early to go to the backup? You think Freddie should have played? I think I think Saturday night against the Habs, you got to start Freddie Anderson. Like, there's talk of either Hutch starting Friday in Columbus, Freddie getting the start Saturday night. I think that's the way they should have went. I mean, I'm, I'm going um, to the game tonight, so I, I like it because I, I get to see Freddie Anderson tonight. Nice. But uh, I, I think you got to start 
Freddie Anderson against the Habs. It's a it's a rivalry, yeah. original six game. Yeah, I think they could have easily gotten the dub in Columbus with Hutchinette. That's a Babcock Whoa. stubbornness right there, though. He's always been He's so obsessed with the back to back. Like, come on, dude, get a little creative. You can start a you can start a Wednesday night or whatever they play. Seriously, at. they have like three, doesn't have to be a back to back. Yeah, time. they have like three back to backs this month. You can toss him in later in later in the month. I mean, you want to get off to a good start right away. Go like four and zero. You can put five and zero with Anderson, and then maybe consider a, a start against like Detroit or one of the bottom feeder teams. Like you, you're playing Tampa soon. You got you're playing against the Cup champs. You know you want a goalie to get into a rhythm right away. So. On that point, just quickly, that shows me that Babcock's not willing to adapt to a, a new way of coaching. We all thought maybe last year after the playoffs he would, but if you're not willing to put Hutchinson in the second game of the season in Columbus, so you can play Anderson against the Habs at home on a Saturday to match up with Price? What makes you think come playoff time that he's going to play Matthews more than 17 minutes? That's going to be something to keep our eyes on is uh, we all know Babcock's a little stubborn, uh, and that's definitely going to be an area of focus this year. The media's on him. We're on him. Um, the eyes are on Babcock this year. We know that we've talked about that, and we'll see if he adapts some of his ways uh, as, we wrap up, as we wrap up here. Sorry, I'm purposely offside. Uh, Leafs face the St. Louis Blues tonight. They got a big game, um, I believe, on Thursday. They're at home against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, so we have a lot to talk about there. And then Saturday night, um, actually, I don't know. Do they play this Saturday night? They do. They do play this Saturday night. Um, Detroit. Big, Detroit. Big week ahead. And uh, we'll try not to be too critical of this team, but that's kind of our job here on Purpose Offside is to analyze <laughs> the team we have in front of us. I love it. All right, guys. Take it easy. Thanks for listening as always. Have a great week.